welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats. I'm your host, Rochelle LaCour. Today, we have a wonderful returning guest. We have Dr. Mandy Swinnon in the house. I'm so excited to have her back. And today, we are going to be talking about breastfeeding and the importance of breastfeeding for the future health of a child. So please join me in welcoming back to the show, Dr. Mandy Swinnon. Welcome back. How are you doing today? Hello, I am good. Thanks. How are you? I'm so good. I'm like just so loving connecting with you and like learning all of these goodies about motherhood and all of the different aspects of, you know, female health and, and hormones and just, you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I'm just so grateful that you would be willing to jump on and spend time sharing with me and with our, our listeners and our viewers. So thanks so much for being here. Of course. I'm happy to share. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's dive on in. So tell me a little bit about the journey with breastfeeding and why this is sort of coming up for you and what, why is it so important? Uh, well, I guess because I'm, I'm in the middle of it, right? Like I have, my baby is now 13 months, almost 14 months, and I'm still going strong with the breastfeeding. And it's funny to me that in North America, this is like shocking to people that I'm still breastfeeding. Whereas other basically any other country in the world I mean their continent it's like two is the minimum and average age of breastfeeding to stop is two to seven wow um, yes <laughs> so hmm. in okay. and in North America I mean a lot of women stop at six months like that if they can make it to six months it's a really long time many stop before then some don't breastfeed at all and although it, it is a choice, of course, it's the mother's choice. Um, but I think there's a lot of just lack of education and lack of support, more of the lack of support on the importance and just things you need to know. Because in North America, we don't grow up knowing or like seeing women breastfeed. We're told and we have this idea that it's so natural and it, it's just, you know, it's easy and because it's so natural and that's not true. It's not easy. There are definitely battles that you are going to have to face if that's what you choose for your baby. Um, but there is lots of support. And that's a big message I want to get across in this episode is seek support. Even if you think you don't need it, if you think breastfeeding is going to be easy and natural, it's not. Um, and I think it maybe it's different in other countries because w women are just so open and society is so welcoming, like it's just normal because you're just feeding a baby. There's no hiding it. There's no going into a washroom. There's no using these awkward breastfeeding covers. Mm -hmm. You grow up witnessing women breastfeed their babies. And that's just not something kids really see or, you know, youth and people growing up, they don't see women breastfeeding all the time. And, and if they do, it's like, oh my gosh, like, can you stop? <laughs> yeah, like I don't understand why it makes people so uncomfortable if it's supposed to be so natural. Where do you think that stigma and that stereotype came from? I'm not sure. I think it's just how much we've sexualized breasts and that's the only, you know, that's what we know them to be for is something sexual and that's the reality is they're meant for to feed a baby that's their number one purpose mm -hmm. and so we do like we need to change that um perception and just educate people like actually breasts are for feeding 
babies. They do, mm-hmm. they might have some secondary purposes, but <laughs> that is their, their, the number one reason why they're there. Yeah. Their primary function is to nourish the child. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that you're onto something there with the over-sexualization. I really do agree with that. That's pretty apparent in our society that breasts are meant for sexual pleasure and they're not meant for actual nourishment of a child, which is, I'm pretty sure that's what we've been endowed with them for. So. Yeah. 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 And I think too, in North America, we are not as comfortable with nudity as other countries. Um, and so that's another thing. It's just, you know, people are uncomfortable with any sort of exposure of parts that are normally covered Mm -hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm not pro for seeing young girls with their butt cheeks hanging out of their shorts on the street, but <laughs> that's just kind that's of different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little bit different because that is like a sexualization kind of thing where I feel like you kind of take that out of context and they think that she's asking for something she's not. And I'm like, maybe she just doesn't know how to dress or maybe she thinks she's making a fashion statement or maybe she's been watching too many Nicki Minaj videos. I don't know. Probably the last one. (laughs) Yeah, probably the last one. Okay. Can you share a little bit about the benefits of breastfeeding, not just for the baby, but also for the mom? Like what are the benefits to the mom? Uh, there's so many benefits. I mean, for the mother, there's a lot of oxytocin release. Um, so lots of bonding, mm-hmm. uh, that happy hormone and bonding hormone. Oxytocin is like the, the love hormone, they call it. So the more we can release that, um, the better it is for all our other hormones. Because as I've spoke about on previous episodes with you, um, our hormones are kind of like this big spider web. So when we affect one, it, it has a, a downstream effect on all the other ones. So that's that's one. Um, it decreases the risk of breast cancer. So that's another bonus of breastfeeding. It can help with um, postpartum weight loss as well. And for the baby, there's so many benefits that we don't always realize. I mean, we know now that breast milk itself is exponentially more beneficial than formula. Even if you just look at the list of ingredients, I mean, formula can fit on a label. Breast milk is like pages and pages and pages of ingredients. Like it's actually amazing. I learned a lot about this. Um, I studied breastfeeding obviously in school, but then when I was pregnant, I was like, I know this is not going to come easily. I want to learn everything I can about it and prepare. Um, so obviously I read up on what's actually in breast milk and it's mind blowing. If you, I would encourage anyone to just look at it. You can just, just Google what's in breast milk and all these antibodies will come up, immunoglobulin, stem cells, stem cells in breast milk, which is really cool. I'm like, oh, can I inject this into my, (laughs) can I also ingest this? (laughs) Um, Obviously like the macronutrients, protein, carbs, fat, lots of water is the main component. Um, So the actual breast milk itself, but another benefit of breastfeeding, which is why I'm such a huge proponent of it, is jaw development, which not a lot of people realize, but babies have to, they have to work harder to get breast milk out of a breast compared to a bottle. And just the way that they have to move their jaw really helps with jaw development. So it, and that 
jaws are really important for many things. And I see this a lot in adulthood. And, and now that you, now that we're talking about it, you'll probably notice it in people too. There's a lot of people have really big overbites and their bottom jaw is really small. And I'm willing to bet they were not breastfed as oh, a child. Many people in our generation weren't. I know I wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, my brothers weren't either. I mean, we can get into reasons for that. But um, yeah, so when babies aren't breastfed, they... And this is, you know, it's one component to jaw development. So I don't want, you know, women who can't breastfeed for whatever reason, I don't want to be making them feel bad and think like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing to my yeah, baby? Yeah, Their yeah. jaw's not going to develop properly. Like, no, this is one factor, but it is an important one. Um, and so jaw, proper jaw development can just have, allow the jaw to have enough space for teeth to come in and not be overcrowded and need braces or other dental work. Um, but then also when our jaw alignment is proper, we actually sleep with our mouth closed and breathe through our nose, which we're meant to, our nose is for breathing mm -hmm. and our mouth is for eating. Yes. Um, and when our jaw is pulled forward a little bit, like that's where it's supposed to be, it just opens up our trachea. It's a small amount, but it, it correlates to a higher percent of oxygen that we're getting. And mm. oxygen, that's not something we can live without. Yeah. Um, it's critical for so many things. So that is my personal number one reason for putting in a lot of effort into breastfeeding is I want my baby to have a big, strong, <laughs> square jaw. Yeah. Um, and another really cool benefit for babies. So the areola of the nipple actually has receptors in it that can analyze the baby's saliva when they're latched on and determine what the baby needs. Really? Isn't that amazing? What? Oh my yeah. gosh. Tell me more. I need to know all the information. <laughs> yeah. So basically it's, it's like making breast milk to order <laughs> when, wow. when, you're, when you're nursing. Mm -hmm. So if the baby is sick, for example, and maybe it needs more of an, uh, an immunoglobulin or antibody, then it will get that. Our bodies wow. will <laughs> make the breast milk to order for the baby. Wow. Oh my gosh. When they say the body is a being of intelligence, they're not kidding. Yeah. Um, and even just like the, the amount of different hormones in the breast milk will change over the course of the day. So if you're feeding at night, there's going to be more melatonin in the breast mm -hmm. milk. If you're feeding in the morning, there will be more cortisol. Um, so it's just like supporting the baby's circadian rhythm, which is also really cool. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like that list of benefits is probably as long as the list of ingredients in breast milk, isn't it? Yeah. It, it definitely <laughs> is. It's not a lie when they say breast is best. And I know there's a lot of, that's a hashtag on Instagram. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a lot of people are trying to, oh, I don't know what trying to, but avoiding that hashtag and, and instead saying fed is best, which of course, like we don't want our babies to be starving. And there are women who can't breastfeed and there, um, there's lots of reasons for that. And one of them is insufficient glandular tissue. So the amount of breast milk we make is dependent on how much glandular tissue we have. And there's a genetic component to that, not dependent on the size of your breasts, 
which I personally was worried about. I'm like, I'm probably going to struggle to breastfeed because my boobs aren't very big, but that's not, that, that actually doesn't really matter. It's the amount of glandular tissue you have. So a woman could have very large breasts and have not very much glandular tissue and struggle with breastfeeding or um, the opposite. So a woman could have very small breasts and then have a lot of glandular tissue, which was the case for me as a milk machine. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's really interesting to know. Is there, is there an impediment if people have implants? Can women still breastfeed with implants? They can. I mean, it does, it might interfere and it can depend on where the implants were, uh, if they're above the pectoral muscle or below. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hit or miss. And obviously that's a risk you take when you get implants and it should be something that you're informed about before having that operation is like this may impact your goals of breastfeeding in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, anecdotally with my patients, I, most of them who have implants, it hasn't affected their ability to breastfeed. Uh, but it is, like I said, it's a risk that you need to be willing to take if you want to have implants. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so you mentioned that the the amount of breast milk produced is based on the amount of glandular tissue that you have, and there's a genetic component to that as well. Is there a thing? Are there things that women can do to increase their glandular yes. tissue? Yes, I would highly. Oh, in, increase their glandular tissue. No, like you had your tissue is your tissue, but how the amount of milk held in the in the tissue that is something that you can affect i would highly recommend the book um breastfeeding made simple i think it's called yeah breastfeeding made simple seven natural laws for nursing mothers that one just goes into all the things you need to know and all the things you can do to make sure you're producing lots of milk and it's just very educational there's you know you're when you're a new mom there's you have this little human that you're <laughs> supposed to be taking care of you don't want to then be researching how to breastfeed or things you should know about breastfeeding when you're in mm -hmm. that state. So I highly recommend if you're pregnant read that book I read it twice I didn't read it till the third trimester because I wanted it to be all be fresh in my in my head I did a lot of other things as well um but that book I found the most helpful the most informative so production one of the rules that they talk about is feeding frequently right when the baby is born so you're not your milk won't have come in yet um but it's just the colostrum, <laughs> the mm -hmm. word you know about breastfeeding. Yeah, the one word the I know. <laughs> yeah, colostrum is like this really thick, high in protein milk substance that comes in first. Or even when you're pregnant, I know I expressed some colostrum starting at week 36, 35, 36 of my pregnancy which is a funny story in itself, <laughs> but, um, you can, and you can collect it, but that's what will come out first when the baby is born and your milk won't come in for until around day, like three to five. And that's okay. Babies don't need a lot of substance. If it's a full-term baby, it doesn't need a lot of calories in those first few days. It has enough body fat and it's normal for babies to lose weight in the first couple of days and the goal is to get back to their birth weight um, by day 10, like 
days seven to 10. Um, but this book talks about the importance of feeding frequently because that's going to signal your body on how much milk to make. Mm-hmm. So it recommends like every, every two hours at least it might need more. Um, and then that it just allows you to, to practice like you, it's a team effort, the baby and the mom, it's not all on the mom, it's on the baby as well. Um, this book also goes into, and this is really critical, uh, the reflexes that a baby has. Again, so important for mothers to know. I, I've heard this a lot with my patients. It's like, oh, and even my moms, I'm like, why didn't you breastfeed me? <laughs> How dare you? You wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine, I mean, I don't know for sure that that was 33 years ago, but 33 years ago, they kind of, they thought that formula was better than breast milk. Okay, now can we just accept that humans are not smarter than nature? Yeah, can <laughs> um, we please? But then also just there wasn't the support back then that there is available to us now. Mm-hmm. And we maybe did, and, it, and again, goes back to like, we don't witness women breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And there is specific ways that you need to hold the baby to trigger the right reflexes. Okay. So they do have reflexes to know how to like latch and suckle. Um, but then they also have other reflexes that makes them, them pull away. And if you don't know what those reflexes are or how to trigger them, then you might be trying to breastfeed and your baby's like pulling away from you. You're like, what the heck? Like, why won't, why yeah, don't I'm trying to feed you? <laughs> yeah. So those are really, really important things to know. Again, they, it goes into detail in this book, but, um, you're, your listeners can't see me, but if you hold the back of a baby's head, which is normally how we would hold a baby, pressure on the back of the head will, it um, triggers a reflex for them to pull away. And a lot of moms don't know that. And they're just holding their baby, trying to, to get them to latch. And the baby is pushing really, re- they can be strong. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, the mom is sort of like fighting with the baby, but if you hold kind of the neck and just the base of the spine, that one can allow them to tilt their head back um and then you can like rub their their cheek that's another reflex the rooting one and they will hopefully latch on also another important thing to know which can help with achieving a deep latch because breastfeeding should not be painful if it is then your latch is not it's not a good latch but we want the nipple to be in the baby's soft palate which is pretty far back in their mouth in order to get that you kind of need to like hook them on so you are holding the back of their neck at the base of their spine um and then once they've latched a little bit you kind of like shove their head on further that little oomph um and that just allows a deep latch and then it's not painful um like my baby apollo has 14 teeth now i'm still breastfeeding it's not painful because it's a deep latch and he's not trying to bite you. <laughs> he has bit me. It's not a regular occurrence. And there's things you can do. Um, so I, my doula, who she was my birth doula, she attended my birth. And then she's also a postpartum doula. So she helped us out with breastfeeding as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apollo had bit me a couple times before he had teeth, but his gums are still really sharp. Like it still doesn't feel good when a baby with no teeth bites your nipple. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but she just, she taught me that when that happens, you 
you trigger that reflex that I just told you about. So if you push the back of their head, then they pull away and it kind of teaches them breastfeeding etiquette. Like, awesome. don't do that. I'm going to push the back of your head and then it, it yeah. allows yeah. them to release. So anytime he bit me um, early on, I would do that. And so it taught him, okay, like, don't bite my mom. <laughs> yeah. Don't bite mom. Don't do that. That hurts. <laughs> Can you speak a little bit more about taking care of your breasts while you're breastfeeding? Yeah. So a big thing is not, you don't want to, if you have a deep latch, then that significantly decreases your risk of um, getting like cracked nipples. I did experience that at the beginning because Apollo had a really bad tongue tie. Um, So I mentioned that you want the nipple to be at in the baby's soft palate, but their tongue needs to be over their bottom gum as well. And so Apollo, because he was tongue tied, he couldn't do that. He couldn't move his tongue at all. And so it was just like, we couldn't get a deep lash and it was just like his gum and my hard palate. So I had cracked nipples, both sides. It was so painful. I remember wanting to cry before feeding him when he was three days old before we got the tongue tie sniffed. Um, So much better after that, but I just, I was, got a prescription uh like analgesic antibiotic for my nipples so you know sometimes we have to go the pharmaceutical route it's fine (laughs) if you have to um so that's one thing but again if you have a deep lash that shouldn't be an issue and if your baby doesn't have a tongue tie they are pretty or lip ties too so tongue ties and lip ties are quite common that should be something that the OBGYN or midwife whoever delivered the baby they should check for that and and let you know and there's treatments that you can do to release those ties um, but if they don't have ties and you have a deep latch shouldn't really be getting cracked nipples if you do applying breast milk to them after the feed put some breast milk what a thought I just said like stem cells in the breast milk there's lots of healing properties um, another thing you want to look out for is blocked ducts we want to prevent mastitis. It's, I've never had mastitis, not God would, but it is, it's an infection of those, uh, the glandular tissue and starts from having a blocked duct. You'll know when you have a blocked duct, it's, it's very painful as well. Um, and it's not always the easiest to treat. I actually just had one a week or so ago it'll feel like really hard and and the trick is you have to pretty aggressively massage it out and and feed like you want to heat rest drain the breast that's the rhyme Mm -hmm. (laughs) like all the rhymes (laughs) massage um feed if it's just a blocked duct and even with mastitis you want to get it moving you want to keep the milk moving so if you have to miss a feed then pump you don't want the milk to just be sitting in there and uh, sometimes babies have a favorite boob, so make sure you're just rotating. <laughs> Alternating. <laughs> Can you speak a little bit more about pumping? Yeah, I strongly dislike pumping, but <laughs> I went back to work when Apollo was six weeks old, so that's something I have had to do. Um, I didn't realize this when I bought my pump, but my mother-in-law bless her soul bought me a pump (laughs) and it has 
it comes with little breast shields, so the, the part that goes on your nipple, and then the little suction-y thing attaches and it goes into a bottle or whatever, a vesicle for the milk. Mm -hmm. um, but there's different sizes of those breast shields, and you need to find the right size for your nipples, which can be, obviously you want to have the right pump before the baby comes, but your nipples are going to change quite a bit once you start breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So I found online, again, like I had no idea about this, but my doula educated me. She's like, you need to, you might need a different size. Cause I was like, of course, playing with <laughs> the breast shields when I got my breast pump in. I'm like, wow, these are really big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are my nipples going to grow this much? And so I just did some research and no, like they are going to get a bit bigger, but not that size was way too big for me. Um, so you can order different sizes of breast shields and there's a calculation online that you can figure out how big your nipple's gonna get so that you know what oh, size really? to order. Um, because also pumping shouldn't be painful either. And again, it is for some women and that might be a component of it is they're just, they have the wrong size of, of breast shields um, or like they're just not able to pump milk. And again, like they might not have the right size of breast shields. I, I was just in Ontario last week and I had that blocked duck. So I tried to use my friend, she had a pump. So I tried to use hers, but the breast shields were too big for me and no milk was coming out. And like, I know oh my gosh. I've got milk in there, but it's just cause they were too big. So yeah, you can just Google how to find my pump like breast shield size. And it will give you this like measurement you have to do to measure you measure your nipple and the diameter and then you do a calculation to estimate how big they're going to get and then you can see uh what size of breast shield to get for the pump um but pumping is a lot of work i'm not gonna lie you have it's a lot of cleaning you know you have to assemble it um maybe purchase I would highly recommend actually purchasing a pumping bra so then you don't have to actually like hold the pump and you can just set it up and do things with your hands. Um, but it does, it's a process. It takes a good 15-ish minutes to pump and then you have to take the parts apart. You have to clean them. You're supposed to boil them uh, once a day at least. I did not do this, <laughs> but <laughs> that's what's recommended. Uh, not a fan of boiling plastic, so I don't, don't yeah, do not that a big fan. very often. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of work cleaning, cleaning it, putting it together, taking it apart. So those women who exclusively pump, like kudos to you. I'm so grateful I did not have to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what about storing? What do you do when you need to store it? Like you said, you went back to work when your baby was six weeks old, so you would have had to have stored the milk. So what's the best way that you found to store it, to keep it so it's good for, for the baby? Um, yeah. So you can store breast milk in a standalone freezer for up to a year, 12 oh, wow. months, um, a freezer that's above a fridge or like attached to a fridge for six months and it can stay in the fridge for a week and it can stay just at room temperature for about 24 hours. So depending on when I pumped and when the baby was gonna have that milk determined like where I would store it. I use these little Medela bags labeled 
the um, the date that it was pumped. And I even after learning about the melatonin and cortisol thing, I was like, oh, I'm going to label if it's AM or PM milk as well. Um, I actually collected my milk with a, a haka um, initially. So I would, I, as I mentioned, I had way more milk than Apollo needed, especially at the beginning. So I would feed him on one side and then put the haka, which is just like this little silicone suction thing that collects the extra milk that's coming out on the other boob that you're not feeding on. Um, so I had a t like, I would make 12 extra ounces a day just collected with the Hakka. So I um, would store all that. I ended up donating a lot of extra milk. Um, I sold some extra milk as well. So I provided milk to a couple other babies, which was really nice. cool. Very cool. Um, but yeah, I would just keep it in the fridge or freezer and then it's easy to thaw and, and heat up. Although I, I was never doing that because if I was feeding Apollo, it was breastfeeding. Yeah, it was on the boob. Totally. So can you talk to me a little bit more about, you mentioned that you used a hacka. So is that normal when you're breastfeeding on one side for milk to be expelled on the other side as well? And that's the purpose of the hacka is to just catch all of that. So it's not going to waste. Yes. And it's also... It saves a lot of mess. <laughs> yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> yeah. That thing was a lifesaver. Oh my gosh. And a laundry saver by the sounds of it. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it would get knocked off and <laughs> spilled. <laughs> Which is not ideal. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it. Wow. Okay. So can you share a little bit more about the benefits of breastfeeding and the importance of breastfeeding? for the future health of the child? Um, yeah, so I, I spoke about jaw development, um, but then also from like a gut microbiome perspective, now, this is a super hot topic right now. And yeah. again, this is one component, uh, the food that you're introducing to the baby once they are eating solids, that is super important as well. Um, and then how the birth, so if you had a C-section versus a vaginal delivery that contributes to the gut microbiome of the baby as well. But basically it's like a clean slate when the baby's born, like they haven't ate anything. They've been receiving their nourishment through the umbilical cord. Um, so this is all new to them. So they have to establish, they have to grow their gut microbiome. So obviously we want to promote the growth of good bacteria. We want it to be a good balance. So we know they're uh, having regular bowel movements. We don't want them to be colicky or gassy or constipated. We want our babies to be happy and pooping regularly. Yes. <laughs> uh, so breast milk can, can help with that. Um, but the, as I mentioned, like the solids that you're feeding them once they're eating solids can contribute to that as well. Um, the foods and the nutrients the mother is getting are getting is important because that the baby's getting what the mom's getting. And our, as mothers, our bodies will prioritize the baby over us. So this doesn't necessarily need to be a big source of stress um, like worrying about if the baby's getting everything they need. If you're breastfeeding, they likely are, but we need to be taking care of the moms. So we don't want moms getting baby brain. We don't want moms getting anemic. We do make breast milk from our blood supply. The baby's going to get 
all the nutrients at the expense of the mom. So there are a couple supplements that I highly, highly recommend breastfeeding moms take um, in order to just function optimally. I mean, it's a, it's a very demanding period of time. So we want you know, you're sleep deprived, you're probably stressed. Like we want to be doing everything we can to support the mom. Mm -hmm. So the number one breastfeeding supplement that the mom should take is a high DHA fish oil. Quality does matter. Um, not that I'm supposed to like prescribe things, but this is quite safe. And in fact, probably safe if you don't take it, if you're a breastfeeding mom. Um, the brand Nutrisy is pretty widely available. So a higher DHA, our brains are made of DHA. That's a, a, um, one of the essential fatty acids. And so baby brain is a real thing, or I, I would like to call it breastfeeding brain because breastfeed, breast milk is very high in this essential uh, fatty acid. And as I mentioned, like our body, will like steal the nutrients from our brain or what we, our stores to make the breast milk and make sure the baby's getting everything we need. So when mom, new moms are being like super forgetful, that's because the baby is like stealing components from your, from your brain. <laughs> it's not but, malicious, I promise. <laughs> that can make a really, a really, really big difference. Iron's another important one, but um, yeah, going back to your question, cause I went on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, Proper gut microbiome uh, establishment is another benefit to breastfeeding for the baby. That's awesome. And I think I, I want to just touch on the discussion around constipation, baby constipation. I remember my mom told me that she breastfed me as a baby and I used to constantly be constipated when I was a little baby. And so what she did was she, someone told her to eat black licorice because the aniseed, which aniseed is naturally, it acts as a laxative and I would poop like a charm. So that's my, that's my only wisdom that I have about breastfeeding. I have not been yeah. blessed with a baby to feed yet. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. There's, you yeah, there's lots of little tricks. Like babies and kids are so responsive to simple therapies. We don't need to immediately go to these really aggressive things for babies and, and kids. Um, anytime Apollo was constipated, I would do uh, an abdominal massage. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That also works. Stimulate it clockwise, ladies and gentlemen, particularly ladies clockwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else that you wanted to share on breastfeeding? Is there any other messaging that you really feel called to share? Anything else? Um, just that support is available. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Number one thing I want women to know if breastfeeding is a goal of theirs, um, there's a profession called lactation consulting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll see. And just having that one-on-one -on -one support because, and even if you've had a baby you breastfed and it went so smoothly and then you have another baby and you're really struggling like it's a different baby it's a different mouth it's a different team you might need support then um so just know that that is available to you um it's not it's not easy and you probably are going to need support and get it early because those first few days are really critical as i mentioned for for supply and we don't want you don't want to be getting cracked nipples or block ducts or mastitis. Um, so just having help with 
learning different positions to hold the baby and making sure that it is in fact a deep latch because maybe it's not painful at the beginning or maybe it starts out really smoothly but then you know a week the baby's six weeks old and then it starts to be an issue like that can happen too things are changing the baby's growing uh, so support is always available you might have to depending on where you live you might have to search more uh, in-depthly than other places but if you want to breastfeed, if you want it to be um, a happy experience, then get support. Doulas are another really good option. Um, as I mentioned, some, some doulas are just birth doulas, so they're there to attend the birth. Some are postpartum, um, and a lot of them will do a lot more training in breastfeeding support, so that's another option as well. I did both. I think that's fantastic. And just like everything in life, we always need someone to lean on. We always need support from someone. And sometimes it's nice to have someone who that's specifically what they do. They specifically focus on this field. And I just want to edify you for a moment because I feel like your willingness to learn these things and your own lived experience has been so beneficial to not just me, but to all of your patients as well. So thank you so much for taking this time to share your wisdom with us and to give these amazing recommendations that maybe people haven't thought about before, or maybe didn't know. I, I think that that's just absolutely invaluable, Dr. Mandy. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And hopefully I haven't offended anyone who isn't able to breastfeed or has tried and wasn't, it didn't work out the way they wanted to. I mean, there is some good, better formula options out there. Again, like formula feeding is a lot of work. So kudos to the, to the moms and parents who, who do that. Lots of cleaning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, maybe we can talk about that for a moment as well about the moms who are struggling to breastfeed or aren't able to breastfeed or choose not to like there's support for them too. I would imagine. Yeah. So I, I had mentioned that I donated my extra breast milk. So I know here in Alberta, there is a, a Facebook group that's just uh, where moms who need breast milk um, and then moms who have extra meet up and they extra. offer like, yeah. so I just, that's what I did. I went on the spacer group. It was like, Hey, like I have extra breast milk. My baby's this, this age. And I had a bunch of moms reach out to me. So if you are struggling with supply, like that's probably available in the community that you live in again, like might take some internet searching. Um, sometimes there's don't milk donation places. I know that was an option I looked into as well is donating to a milk bank, but I would have had to have been sterilizing my uh, pump parts every single time, which I hadn't been doing. And then I had to like boil the milk before donating it. So that was just a lot of work for me that I didn't necessarily want to do. And I knew it would denature some of the proteins or kill some of the antibodies. So I just donated my milk as is. As and, is, full benefit. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I just want moms to know that that's available to you. Um, either receiving a milk donation or purchasing a milk donation. So I also sold some of my extra breast milk. I put it on this website called onlythebreast.com, nice. which is kind of like Kijiji for breast milk. So you, <laughs> you can like put an ad, I guess, uh, and you sell, put a cost per ounce and people reach out to you if they, if they want to buy it. So that's an option too. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And do you have any final words of wisdom today, Dr. Manny? Um, I guess just reiterating the fact that we postpartum moms, if you want to breastfeed, seek support. Beautiful. We're not meant to do this alone. Exactly. We're not meant to do life alone, period. <laughs> awesome. And how can people get a hold of you? How can they find you and how can they reach out to you? Um, as always, as I mentioned on the previous episodes, I'm most active on Instagram. So my handle is at Dr. Mandy underscore ND. Um, so if you wanted to direct message me with any questions, I'm usually pretty responsive on there. Um, I have other other areas where you can find me, but that's where I'm most active. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I look forward to the next time. Me too. Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Mm -hmm.